In this week's episode, Patty Flynn and I will chat about making history, the NFL's first trans cheerleader, Ben and Jerry's pushing for more than just your favorite ice cream, activist corporations, and more. Hey there, my name is Bernadette Smith. Welcome to Five Things in 15 Minutes, my weekly show where I bring good vibes to DEI. That is good vibes to diversity, equity, and inclusion with a little dash of corporate social responsibility. What I've found is that there are lots of news stories about what's going wrong in the world and lots of negative data, but there are also a lot of things going right. That's what I like to focus on. I search for DEI stories that we can be inspired by and learn from. My hope is to inspire you to experiment with some of these inclusive actions and policies within your own organization to help you build a more inclusive world. Let's get started. Patty, will you introduce yourself? Hi, um, my name is Patty Flynn. I'm a senior diversity, equity, inclusion strategy consultant with the Equality Institute, and I'm coming to you live from Southern California. Awesome. Well, we are thrilled to have you on the team and really happy to welcome you today. So, Patty, last week I wrote in the newsletter about how, you know, a lot of the companies we work with, they say they're conservative. And that's sort of one of the warnings we get in the planning meeting. It's like, just so you know, we're a pretty conservative company, you know, and I've heard that from such a huge range of industries from manufacturing to commercial real estate, banking and financial services, of course, and, you know, a whole bunch of other industries. And you know what? I, again, I focus on the positive, right? And so one of the things that I, um, I find is that, you know, even with those types of warnings, there are a lot of people who show up and they're ready to learn. And when I was doing a session last week or the week before, um, immediately a few hours afterwards, I had an email from an attendee at the session who had been given feedback from her colleagues that this person had committed microaggressions. So they were uh, the giver of microaggressions. And this person who emailed me didn't see it. They didn't get it. They didn't know exactly how to respond. They felt terrible, um, but they wanted to learn and they wanted to do better. So they reached out to me for resources since microaggressions are one of the things I talk about in, in my keynotes. So um, anyway, you know, I just think I like to... to to tell those stories because it gives people permission to, to learn, right? I mean, have you ever had that kind of experience, Patty? Yeah. Um, it, it's, it, I think a lot of folks say that they're conservative and, and they probably are, but a lot of that has a lot of that perception of that they're going to be, I mean, I'm, I'm a trans woman. So, you know, like I'm always, my radar is always up, but I think that, they just don't know that they've met someone who's trans and they, so they, they don't have a connection, but the microaggressions, they, you know, it's hard, it's hard for that to be seen by your own self because if you're in a, if you're in an environment where your culture is not such that you have knowledge of people that are different than you, then you make these remarks all the time and they're, you know, there's nobody to be offended by them. And so right. once you find yourself in a more diverse space, 
you find yourself like, oh, well, maybe that really wasn't a good thing to say. You know, I'm in the town that I used to live in. I went to high school here and I lived here, lived here for 22 years. And it's getting better, but it's not a super diverse place. And I recognized when I moved to Chicago five years ago that I myself had a lot of things that I didn't quite realize were harmful and hurtful to other people um, that I would say or that were part of, you know, like some of the just natural things I would say. And again, it's, it's just because there's just not exposure to that. And it really is a bummer that, you know, you have to be faced with this in order to make a change. But it's also good that you had someone recognize that and reach out and try to get help to make, make sure that they were nicer and better, better to other people. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and also it takes a lot of humility to kind of admit that and and share that they embarrass themselves, right? And yeah. to admit that they embarrass themselves and to ask for help. It's a level of curiosity that I think is really important in this yeah. work. So I want to give everyone permission to do the same because we are all still learning, right? Yeah. Okay. So let's move on to the good vibes for this week. Number one, the NFL's first out trans cheerleader readies for her Carolina Panthers debut. Justine Lindsay is the first NFL cheerleader to be a trans woman. How, how amazing is that? Just, I, I saw that, um, I think I saw it on Instagram first. I'm just, you know, I didn't have representation. You know, this, is, this is about representation. This is about young black trans women being able to see someone like them doing something that they may be interested in doing or just being out there. I mean, positive representation, the more representation that we have in general for people, um, you know, for people like me, for, for black trans women, for trans people in general, the more opportunity we're going to have for positive representation. Um, Jen Richards said that in, in, a, in a documentary called Disclosure. So the more representation that is out there, the more it will hide like some of the bad <laughs> representation that's been out there. So it's really, really positive to see, especially, you know, like masculinity central, which is the NFL, right? So, you know, I know that it's, uh, it, it's, you know, there's also like cheerleading and, and, you know, whether or not that's necessarily positive <laughs> representation for women, but I'm really happy for Justine and, I'm happy for the Panthers to do this. And I think it, you, you mentioned it in the, in the newsletter. It's a very masculine sport um, that she's adjacent to as a cheerleader. But it's also in the South. I mean, North Carolina was one of the first states to test balloon the bathroom bills. And now they have the first trans cheerleader. Absolutely. I think it's fantastic. I think it's, I just think it's really amazing that there are these possibility models now. Yeah. And, and I just love that, you know, she is getting a shot. Pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, Ms. Marvel new television show on Disney plus is the first Muslim superhero in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And she's played by Kamala Khan, who is a Pakistani Muslim, playing a Pakistani Muslim. I love it. Yeah. I mean, again, more representation. I mean, 
you know, the more we see ourselves represented in spaces like popular culture, in all kinds of different areas. You know, I'm not much of a Marvel fan. I've watched a bunch of the old movies. I think this is a, a television series. And I just think it's fantastic for, for people to be able to see themselves. You know, you were saying possibility models and that, that's exactly what this is. I mean, I mean, it's not necessarily possible to be a superhero, but it's possible to be someone out there that looks different than what most superhero characters look like. And to be an actor in Hollywood as a Pakistani Muslim person, you know, it, it's just, it's just all positive. I know that there's another, there's some trans representation in comic book Hollywood as well. And so it's just, it's just great to see the diversity among these, um, these types of roles. It is. And it's another example of possibility models. You know, it, it, superheroes aren't just white cisgender men. Right. And we, obviously we saw that with black Panther and, yeah. and we've seen it with others, but I just think it's a really great representation, especially given there's still a lot of anti-Muslim sentiment in the U S still, um, you know, decades after nine 11. So I just think it's great to break down those stereotypes. Absolutely. All right. Next up, Ben and Jerry's very activist corporation owned by Unilever. They have new billboards across a number of states that support trans youth and trans rights. So they're putting out these giant billboards that say things like trans rights or human rights in states where trans rights are under attack. And I, I love this. Like I needed any more reason to eat more Ben and Jerry's non-dairy. And I'm just, you know, we live in a capitalist society and, and I'll talk about this again in one of the other articles, but it's really good to see corporations doing so, using that voice, that power that they have to promote good, um, to promote positive things, um, not to merely promote for profit or to lobby for profit. I mean, this is the pressure that changes things. As I said before about North Carolina and HB1 versus HB2, the bathroom bill, it was corporate pressure that ultimately doomed that bill. And maybe that will, maybe, maybe the corporate pressure will start to help. I'm hoping to see other companies start to come online and start to back. There was a position. There was an ad taken out by a number of companies, um, sort of a public letter target to, to all these states. But, you know, it's pretty easy to just sign on with a couple hundred companies. It may have been in five things <laughs> uh, regardless, because sometimes it is hard to find those good news, those good yeah. vibes. But still, you know, this is a lot different. This elevates that, you know, just sort of being a signatory to uh, a much, much higher level. And I love Ben and Jerry's. All right. Um, next up, the Biden administration, the U.S. president's office, is paying White House interns for the first time. What the heck? How have they not been paid before? Um, so this is a really big problem in, for internships because interns, if they are not being paid, are often white 
people because white people have more generational wealth and they're more likely to be able to afford to work without being paid, yeah. which means yeah. that there are more white people in government and in higher levels of organizations because they have had access yeah. to unpaid internships. Yeah. Yeah. I have been constantly railing about paying interns. It is so important because like you said, if they're unpaid, the only way that they're going to be able to survive is if they're supported by someone else. And uh, it, it's just amazing to me that, it, and it actually it did happen in 1974, apparently I did. They made an update to that article. But I mean, I think it was just for one summer. I don't get how, we, how we're still having a conversation like this in 2022. Hey, people for their labor. You cannot pay people in exposure or experience. I mean, yeah, they're going to get some great experience, but you know, they also need to survive to be able to use that experience. And so to see that there's a recognition that this needs to occur at that level, hopefully will set precedent and will set a good example to make sure that corporations pay interns and that everybody pays interns. I completely agree. I, I love this. I, I mean, every week there's something that I'm just completely shocked by. And this this might be the one this week. Yeah. All right. So uh, next and last story, number five, is 220 plus CEOs are demanding immediate action from the U.S. Senate to reduce gun violence. So they're calling for gun control. And this corporate effort is being led by Levi Strauss, who really has been uh, more proactive than other major corporations about gun violence. So, uh, you know, there's, this could be shallow, who knows? I'm sure that there are a lot of companies who donate to places like the National Rifle Association. A lot of corporate leaders probably do. I still think this matters. So I, I think that it's, it's something. And sometimes these stories are just better than nothing, right? It's yeah. progress is progress, even when it's incremental. You know, it's good that a corporation's doing something Corporations are doing something positive. It is just signing on a on an open letter, essentially, but that's a start at least. And you know, regardless of position politically, you know, this, this is this is a, a third rail topics apparently, which yeah. seems mind boggling to me as someone who has in the past used and owned firearms. I can't understand how some reasonable level of control on this is it's 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 good to see corporations are saying yeah maybe this is something that we need to sign on to absolutely all right well thank you so much for joining me today patty for those of you who are watching on linkedin you or youtube know that you can subscribe to five things in 15 minutes the podcast on your favorite podcast platform patty and i will be having the same conversation um, on podcast the video is stripped, so you, it's the same thing here every week now on audio. Thank you so much for joining. And if you don't already get the Five Things newsletter, which goes out every Saturday morning, subscribe at fivethingsdei.com. Thanks, Patty. Have a great week. Thanks. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Five Things in 15 Minutes. I hope you found yourself inspired by at least one of this week's stories. 
If you did, would you mind sharing it with a colleague and leaving us a review on your favorite podcasting platform? And if you don't already get my Five Things newsletter, join at fivethingsdei.com. I'm Bernadette Smith, and I'll see you next week right here for Five Things in 15 Minutes, bringing good vibes to DEI 